Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. back with another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford come right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week twice a week wherever you get your podcasts and this is a great episode on the pc multiverse aka pop culture cosmos if you check it out please do so because we cover the game awards and also the reveal of gta 6 we talk about the award winners we also talk about the big world premieres and also the sequel to one of the biggest selling games of all time. That's covered on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel, wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, cool bro? Also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Thank you, cool bro. Thought you would say some good things about it. Also as well, want to go ahead and mention that we have Inside Sports Fantasy Football with Joe Soro and also as well, the Magic Man, Sean Grice. They both stopped by for NFL Week 14. Go ahead and check out our thoughts on that, plus the return of Justin Jefferson. Is it going to be a slam dunk, pardon the basketball pun, for him getting back to where he was before at an elite level in fantasy football? We talk about that on this week's show, so go ahead and check it out. Inside Sports, Fantasy Football. Plus also as well, Joe Soro, he is not only working at Simblades, SimbladesWithAY.com, his company, but also as well, Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. Go ahead and check out the guys this weekend, Lakerholic Spotlight, that'll be on Sunday due to the NBA Cup game on Saturday. Sunday, Lakerholic Spotlight. And if you want a little sneak preview of what they may be talking about, go ahead and check out what they're writing about with Jamie Sweet's Five Things articles and the number one Lakers blogger that's out there, Laker Tom on Lakerholics.com. Also, I want to go ahead and mention out there some great places you can go ahead and check out, including Lakers and Five, Empire Jeff TV, the John McCallion channel, Daniel Berry Sports Highlights, Lakers Corner, John, who will actually be appearing on tomorrow night's post game. He actually dropped a short with me in it. My thoughts on if anybody else outside LeBron AD is untouchable, and he took little brief snippet from each it's gotten over 3,000 views see who if I, I thought if anyone was untouchable for the Lakers outside of LeBron AD 
right there, that little snippet, plus also my entire interview with him on Lakers Corner, plus also as well the Larry Lakers dribbling chit-chat. The man from down under, speaking good things on the Lakers, go ahead and check that channel as well. And speaking of checking out channels, of course, when you check this one out, please go ahead and click on the subscribe button, a.k.a. Joe's face, the little Joe with the beady eyes, right-hand corner of your screen. Click on that to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air, plus also on Facebook. Same thing, like and follow right there to know exactly when we go live with the Lakers Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Tomorrow, we've got a full day scheduled for you, a pregame coming up for you tomorrow, just before the game. Then, of course, playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. That's playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. You join us there. We had our biggest crowd ever on playback. Hopefully, you'll be make it an even a larger group out there. We always have a lot of fun. We always complain. We always whine, moan, talk about other great things, but also we focus on the basketball at hand at playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break, and then we follow it up with the best post game that's out there for the Los Angeles Lakers and the best also chat room that's out there is, of course, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Gerald, coming right back at you here. Thanks so much again watching and listening. Daniel Berry, Lakers winning it with ease tomorrow. He's saying, predicting it now. Cool, bro. Great to have you here. Speaking of John from Lakers Corner, he is in the chat room right now. Great to have you here. Cool, bro. Gerald, did you hear the cut? Cup got the, yes, I did hear that Cooper Cup. Yes. The Walter Payton Award. Uh, very much deserved. And I uh, you know, very much, you know, appreciate all the things that he's done for the game of football and also as well, the things that he does for public service as well. But I want to go ahead and mention tomorrow night's game, the NBA cup final Saturday night, 5 30 PM Pacific, 8 30 PM Eastern. It is the Los Angeles Lakers and the Indiana Pacers live from Las Vegas at the T-Mobile arena. I know the darkened T-Mobile arena. I know a lot of people were complaining about that. Also, the court colors and all that. But it is going to be the Lakers and the Indiana Pacers coming up right for you tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Looking forward to a great game. I'm supposed to be having on a guest here in just a couple of seconds that is familiar with the Indiana Pacers. So hopefully he'll come back on. He actually was part of our team previews. If you want to go ahead and check that out, we still have a lot of people that check out the team previews for all the different teams on YouTube, it's right there for you on a playlist. All of them right there. If you want to go ahead and check out our thoughts, see if they've been working out so far as far as with all the experts and what they thought on their specific teams or if they've been absolutely wrong. So it's always interesting to go back and check them out. You could do so on the playlist right down below on YouTube. I want to go ahead and thanks so much, everyone, for watching and listening. It is- here in just a couple seconds hopefully i get magic man on too maybe even laker nick but it is the lakers and the indiana pacers it is going to be live from the t-mobile arena obviously the lakers coming off a 40 plus point victory last night a dominant performance against the new orleans pelicans just absolutely could not get enough of that great performance last night in fact i re-watched it twice last night because I just enjoyed it so much. And I know everybody out there enjoyed it as well. This is when the Lakers play like they did in that late second quarter after the five minute mark, then also getting into the third quarter where they absolutely dominated 43 to 17. It was absolutely just, oh, just mind denumbingly great to see 
absolutely everything that LeBron James playing like a kid, absolutely playing like a kid, just absolutely just, man, turning back the clock as best he can, just absolutely cannot uh, appreciate enough what he's doing. I mean, everybody, please, you know, he's 38 years old. He's going to turn 39 years old later this month. I know LeBron has a lot of haters out there, but you cannot deny his greatness, especially after you see performances like you saw last night. Adam says, I was just wondering if they could ever get an interview with the player. <laughs> oh, uh, and it, you know what? They get the interviews right in the middle of the game. I'm not sure I'm loving that. I mean, it throws off the rhythm. I mean, they got an interview with AD during the game. They got an interview with Darvin Ham during the actual course of the game. Not exactly loving the, what they were doing there, but hey, what can you say? That's uh, TV. It's a made-for-TV game. And that's what's going to happen to D. But the Lakers need to make sure that they do do what they can on the defensive end to try and slow down the high octane offense of Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. A very jump shot reliant team, a very much a three point jump shot shooting team. Just really, absolutely have to do what they can to try and minimize that as best they can. And hopefully they will do so. But I'm looking forward to seeing what the Lakers can do. Defense and transition. Uh, Rodell sent us another email in regards to saying that we prioritize or we only care about offense and defense, uh, offense, and we don't care about defense. And that is absolutely categorically false. And I will make sure I write that back to him. And he has absolutely no idea what he's talking about again, because I have been saying for years since LeBron and AD has gotten together, and I've said this for several times this season defense and transition absolutely are the hallmarks of this team. And that's when this team is best. We saw that clearly last night and also against Phoenix, getting the balls on turnovers, going ahead and getting defensive rebound, contesting shots, making sure you go ahead and push that ball up front. As far as getting in transition, you saw LeBron running faster than virtually anyone out there at 38 years old. It kind of reminds me, Absolutely, Adam. We need to play some really, really solid defense tomorrow. And I will tell you this, it the way LeBron was playing and running up the floor, it reminded me of when I was a you know younger man playing uh, pickup basketball all the time in some of the hot spots in Los Angeles. And there would always be like one older guy trying to relive uh, you know his past, and he would be hustling faster than anyone else. And <laughs> As the young kid at the time, uh, in my early 20s, I had to, I noticed when you notice these things, you got to go ahead and up your ante as well. So can't let the old man beat you. But you know what? The old man beat them last night. The old man beat them on, on Phoenix, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the old man can do tomorrow against the Indiana Pacers. Definitely want to make sure that the defense is best as they can. I know that Cam Reddish or Torian Prince will probably be playing the majority of minutes on Tyrese Halliburton. I'm looking forward to seeing what Cam Reddish can do. It is clear right now that the Lakers are trying to go ahead and switch out as best they can and try and get away with as much time as they can with D'Angelo and also as well, Austin Reese out there on the floor. You've gotten some decent minutes out of them as long as they can go ahead and not get into turnovers shoot decently from the outside that can stretch the floor out and open up the lanes for LeBron because this Indiana team is not good at all defensively. 
And that's something we can exploit. I know we're not the best offensive team in the world, or at least in the NBA. I know we're still in the 20s when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, but I'm looking forward to seeing what what the offense can actually do tomorrow against a team that really is absolutely poor on defense. And here today to discuss the Indiana Pacers is a good man indeed. He's been on before with us here at the Lakers sure. fast break. It is Moise as far. You got to go ahead and check out his great work at 8points9seconds.com. That's 8points9seconds.com. I'm going to put the link in the chat. It is Moise as far. Moise, great to have you back. You were excited. You were honored to get back on the show to discuss the Indiana Pacers because tomorrow night it is the NBA Cup final between Indiana and the Los Angeles Lakers. Tyrese Halliburton has been playing in an insane level. 27 points, 15 assists, no turnovers in the last game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. I think he's going to need another game like that to get the job done tomorrow against the Lakers, and I'm not sure he can. Yeah, I mean, I knew Tyrese was going to be good going into the season. I thought he was with the full season of, uh, in Indiana under his belt, but I didn't know it was going to be this good. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the high-octane offense – Halliburton has been amazing so far this season. How has the high octane offense gotten over in Indiana, a place where, you know, obviously college basketball and high school basketball have reigned supreme. And it just seems like that when it comes right down to it, Moise, that the priority has been defense for so many years, but now here comes this high octane offense led by Tyrese Halliburton. Moise, are you still with me? Nope, unless I lost him. Look, hopefully we'll get him back. But it's going to be something where, again, it's going to be interesting to see the dynamics of the situation when it comes to the the NBA Cup, when it comes to what we'll see from Tyrese Halliburton. Absolutely incredible. He will need one of those 27-point, 15-assist, zero-turnovers games in order for him to go ahead and, I think, get the job done. Coolbro says, well, I'm going to get it going now. Gerald, if Darren, Dante, Blue Magic, Search and Destroy, Alan Z, and tell Joe or Magic Mag come and watch. Tell them, Sequoia, for me. Absolutely. Will indeed. Coolbro, always great to have you here, and may the force be with you. Absolutely. But once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. Ask them if they did. No, they probably didn't do their Mandalorian research, Coolbro. I don't think they're. that's really going to be on their agenda, but you and I both know that's not going to be the case, but always good to hear from you, my friend. It is Moise. Moise, I want to hear it, Indiana. What's going on with the, the dynamics of this high-octane offense? How is it getting over to the Indiana crowd at Indiana Pacers fan base after being reliant on defense for so many years? I'm glad you asked that because I was just about to say the same thing. For years under Rick Carlisle, not Rick Carlisle, but under – Jim O'Brien, and even in Frank Vogel era and going into Nate McMillan, the team's philosophy has always been defense first. I mean, even in 20, even in the uh, the heyday against LeBron and the, and the Miami Heat, we were still a defense-oriented team. Our yeah. offense was mainly centered around Paul George and, you know, the others. But the defense was really what uh, took us to that next level and made us contenders like that. You know, George was an all-defensive guy. Um, Hibbert was a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, Stevenson could defend. West was a decent defender. George Hill was a fanta- was like the glue guy. I mean, the defense on that team was incredible. And the change that's been 
that I've seen is a change that I have I do like to see, but it has come with a you know a price because of course Pacers best best offensive team in the league by I think by a wide margin too. Um, but the defense for a while, I think after that Toronto game, we were the worst defensive team in the league and the best offensive team in the league. And I talked to somebody about this. I said, it's very easy to see the uh, difference between a team like the Pacers who are going to make the playoffs, but aren't going to probably, but aren't going to contend and a team like the Celtics that have that great offense, but can also defend on top of it. Because, you know, of course, they let go of Marcus Smart, but they got Drew Holiday. And they Mm -hmm. got Porzingis who can protect the rim. So, yeah, this change that I've seen recently, it is a welcome change in some aspects, but I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of, of sacrificing the defense this much. I do have to say that is true. I saw the comment. We are very fast-paced. We are very fast-paced. And I think the defensive scheme that Carlisle has implemented is something that the inside, the NBA guys talked about a couple times when, when, uh, when we were on. They said that our defense is basically um, playing. Our defense is basically our offense, you know, playing fast on offense. And, uh, you know, because we play so fast, we can't get set on defense that much because I'm sure you saw it. I'm sure you were watching the Bucks game. Um, we had like multiple possessions under four seconds. And, I, and you know, we had possessions where we were throwing outlet passes one dribble, two dribble, right to the rim for a dunk. I mean, you saw that. I'm sure you saw that alley-oop, the reverse alley-oop to Obi Toppin. Um, I'm sure you saw plenty of just cross-court passes. I was one of the few on the West Coast who actually caught the game because the poor timing, the start time that the NBA put for this game. Yeah, I didn't understand that at all. I didn't understand that at all. I actually did. I actually said something that, like, I I feel like they were participating for the the Celtics to win because the Patriots played two hours. Ruiz, are you still there? Still with me? Yeah. So I thought I thought I'm still here. Yeah. I was saying something that uh the the Patriots playing two hours later may have, you know, skewed the start time for the uh the game because they were probably anticipating for the Celtics to win. And who can blame them really? This is Raphael from NBA DraftJunkies.com and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I don't feel like that people have done that as much, especially with this international release. You can get it out there right now. I know you can get it out there, but it, it feels like this time last year, people have just been like, oh, you can get you the Here's cell phone version you know. that was taped somewhere where it's like, you know, shell shaky <laughs> has some dude or some family that's walking right in front of you as they're finding their seat with the popcorn already in hand. You oh, know, come on, that, really? yeah, that version is already available. Yeah. But I mean, like with a mono I, sound. There you go. Oh, God. Yeah, that's that's the worst part. You only get sound on the left ear, yep. not the right ear. <laughs> Something like that. You can find that version already if you really want it. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Moise as far. Please go ahead and check out what he's doing today with his great work at 8points9seconds.com. I will say this, Moise, when it comes to the Indiana Pacers, if you look at the statistics, you look at the stats, you look at the team as far as analysis, they have a defense which 
prevents or tries to minimize the number of threes you take. They want you taking as many twos, even layups as you want. So their yes. mindset is they will score three while you will score two. That's something that harkens back all the way back to the Paul Westhead era of Loyola Marymount in the late 80s, one of my favorite college teams of all time. Hank Gathers, Bo Kimball? Yes, absolutely. Rest in peace, Hank Gathers, Bo Kimball, like you said, Jeff Fryer, that whole crew. Absolutely remember. It's one of the, I still watch the games. I actually watched it a couple of years ago from that era when they made that run the NCAA tournament. That was their ideal. That was their goal. But eventually they got stopped out by Robert Ory and Alabama with some really good defense. So the thing is, the Lakers have a uh, top 10 NBA defense. I think it's six the last time I checked. If they can go ahead and slow them down at all, and also what I talked about before and with LeBron and AD, they thrive when they're playing good defense, but when they get in their own transition game and shoot free throws more than their opponent, they're really tough to stop. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've I've talked about I talked about this after we won last night and after the Lakers won. I said that we need to in order to win uh tomorrow, we need to get out in transition and never stop running. That's that's our that's our key. Because our half-court offense, I have to admit, is a bit shaky. We do have we do have shooters. We have guys that can spot up. We have guys that can finish. But this team, of course, I'm I'm sure you can see this team is best when this team is best when they're running and gunning. You know, you talked about Loyola Marymount. I raise you a seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns. I raise you uh I raise you an 80s Denver Nuggets. Uh, you know, teams like that. Coached by Paul Westhead. Paul Westhead, there you go. Exactly. And even Doug Moe to an extent as well. Yes. Yes, yes, Coach Doug Mo. Um, I see a lot of I see a lot of the the team that I've most likened our playstyle to is the seven seconds or less Suns. Because I feel like we do have capable defenders, because you remember with the Suns, Marion was a good defender. They had uh I think Barbosa was decent off the bench. They had Steven Hunter, I believe. And I think the Pacers have a similar structure, you know? Because I'm I'm sure you've got I'm sure you've seen the Steve Nash comparisons for Halliburton. Yes. Uh, and what they, do you think of those, if I may ask? Uh it's looking more and more like it because he's getting more and more proficient from the outside. He still doesn't have that that really sneaky drive into the lane like like Steve Nash does yet. He has a much better floater than Steve Nash ever did. I will say that, but they have different styles of games as far as uh, how they get about it to it and how they go ahead and get their points or get their assists. But you just can't question either one of them because Halliburton is really coming into his own as a floor leader, as a passer. He is now probably in the top three in the NBA, right there with Jokic. Uh, you know, just absolutely just one of the best playmakers that's out there. I still think that Sacramento, you know, they they decided to go ahead and sacrifice whatever future that they had with Tyrese Halliburton in order to get to the bonus. You know, it's made them a playoff team, but a first-round playoff team at that. With Halliburton, I thought their ceiling would have been a lot higher, ultimately, but they didn't see that. They saw the short term, and they wanted to end their playoff-less streak. That's what they were doing. They were getting greedy. They got what they wanted. But in the long run, with Tyrese Halliburton being an MVP candidate playing like this for several years down the road, 
they're probably going to regret ultimately what they did in that trade with Sacramento. Exactly. Like I said, um, like I said earlier to a bunch of people, this trade is a that trade is a win-win. But at the same time, it's a win-win. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Johnny says he is no Steve Nash. I, that's why I said I think their games are different. And Steve Nash did it over a long period of time. Let obviously, you know, Halliburton has to continue at this level for a long period of time. So the and they have their games are different. But the fact is, Steve Nash was such an underrated outside shooter. He never really utilized it as well as I think he should have because exactly. he was one of the best shooters, period. But he always so unselfish. Looking to so, pass absolutely unselfish that he had maybe to a fault at times because he should have taken more shots, I think, than, than what he did. But with Tyrese Halliburton, he has to do so much for his team. And you're seeing that with Indiana, whether or not it's just because of the way the personnel and the offense is laid out. Ultimately he is doing it and doing it well as he can. Yeah. I mean, the thing, I, I'm, I mean, the comparisons to Nash have been, uh, I've heard them a lot. I've agreed with parts of them, but I do think he's more aggressive scoring than Nash was ever because Nash, I believe, peaked at around, what, 18 a game? Yeah, with, he's, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a more dependent scorer. The team is more dependent on him scoring than Phoenix's, which is obviously part of the reason why he didn't have to shoot as much. But as a playmaker, so many years, Steve Nash is almost unparalleled in that sense. And I think Halliburton is on his way to getting there. But again, he's have to have several more years of playing at this level before I think you could put him at that level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think an early comparison for Nash is is decent, but I think – at the end of the day, it's been only what twenty games. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I. Everybody likes to go ahead and throw those comparisons out there. Yeah. I, I get that, but man, if he could continue to shoot forty plus percent from the outside, that'll just open up so many things for him even more. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure many people. I've seen many comments about it. People are confused at how he's shooting that well with that jump shot that he has, which is it confuses me too, really. Well, it catches people by surprise. I see yeah. the way he steps back and he just shoots it from his stomach almost. Yeah. And the way he can just fling it up there. Yeah, he doesn't even go. He doesn't even extend that no. high. He just pushes it out from like his chest, stomach area a lot, on a lot of occasions. And you know what? The accuracy is just amazing. I've yeah. talked about on for the Lakers about Cam Reddish's knuckleball style of shooting. And obviously it's led to his inaccuracy from that point. But when it comes to what we're seeing with this unorthodox way of, of him shooting on there, so far, he, it turned out he didn't come into the league with, as a good shooter. But my gosh, he's turned himself into a good one now. Yeah, uh, shout out to Cam Reddish, by the way. I've been having stock in him since since Duke, and I'm very uh, I happy. I didn't. Right I didn't. I said it on the show. I was very reluctant to get him on there, but I'm glad. I'm pr I'm glad when I'm proven wrong. Yeah. And it's a benefit for the Lakers. Uh, Cam Reddish has been mm -hmm. a great defender, and he is the one that's probably going to be defending the majority amount on uh, you know Tyrese Halliburton because yeah. he's done such a great job defensively out there, much better than. Max Christie or Torian Prince, what you know as far as what they could put Vanderbilt on Vanderbilt too to add on to yeah, your... Vanderbilt absolutely will get some time on on Halliburton. He's just rounding back into shape, starting to play about 15 to 20 minutes. And this is the type of game where you may be able to get away with having Vanderbilt out there for more minutes simply because of the fact that there's going to be more of an up and down game and he might be able to thrive more in that concept. Exactly. I've I've read some stuff from Lakers fans. I do think that 
I think Reddish and Vanderbilt are going to be the main guys on Halliburton. And I've also read some that Christie might get some minutes, which... Well, he's the fourth guard. So as the fourth guard, because yeah. Gabe Vincent is uh, currently out of the lineup, he's going to get some looks. The idea for the Lakers is to have as little time as possible for Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell on Tyrese Halliburton. If Tyrese Halliburton gets the switches and he finds Austin or D'Lo, that's like having good lunch right there. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to yeah. eat both of them for lunch. Yeah. And and that's, you know, it just is what it is. I mean, Austin was taken out of the starting lineup because of his defensive inefficiencies. And if we, you know, as on this show, we do focus on defense. Uh, you know, it's something that is paramount that the perimeter defense has to be there. So that's why Cam Reddish, despite his shaky shooting from the outside, Vanderbilt, despite his shaky shooting from the outside, are playing a key role because of their defense. You've seen it already in the three games Vanderbilt's come back. They are three and zero, and they play some pretty good defense. Uh, you know, for times and stretches because of it. Yeah, right, right. And I do think the I do think Reddish and Vanderbilt are good uh, assignments on uh, on defense for Halliburton because going back to the bad games that he's had recently, Tyrese has. You go to the Orlando Magic game, which is probably the worst game that he's had this year, and they stuck Jalen Suggs on him. And yeah. Suggs is six foot five, I think, around the same height as Halliburton. He's and, the best defender. I think him and Caruso are the best perimeter defenders yeah. right now in the NBA. I would, yeah. you know, if you can find me someone else, I will. I, I won't argue too much, but yeah, Suggs and Caruso are playing defense yeah. on the perimeter at an elite that level. Yeah, the, those two gave Halliburton the biggest problems he had of this season so far. Because and Cam Reddish so- can give you size at six eight and Vanderbilt at six ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have those guys on Halliburton with the speed and quickness to keep up with him, then yeah, yeah, it's going to be a rough night for him. But I think I think uh tomorrow's game depends on the others. You know, can we count on Miles Turner to have a good game inside? Can we count on Matherin to show what he's made of because he's been struggling recently. And of course with his comments on LeBron last year, you know, of course he's going to have that extra chip on his shoulder to uh perhaps either have a great game in the spotlight or shrink. And I think Matherin has shown up in those big moments when we've needed him. So I am confident in his abilities, but I'm a bit wary because it's been a rocky season for him so far. Well, he was in the starting lineup, and I know he was taken out of the starting lineup, similar to Austin Reeves, uh, because of certain issues and it was struggling shot. And then you have Buddy Heald, you know, the solid veteran that he is, obviously a threat from the outside. You know, we don't know if he'll stay on the Indiana Pacers because, you know, if depending on your season at the Indiana, he could be utilized in a trade somewhere. But, yeah, definitely having healed out there from a gunner from the outside definitely stretches out the floor for Tyrese Halliburton. Right. Yeah, the others are going to have to show up. I mean, Tyrese can only do so much, you know, yeah. because, you know, we have to count on Obi Toppin to use his athleticism and get to the rim and finish those lobs and dunks inside. We have to count on guys off the bench. We got to count on Neesmith. We got to count on Connell to have a good game, which he's been up and down. He was good last game. He hasn't been great for a lot of games. We got to I count will on say, Connell. though, let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. And once again, I have Moise as far. Please go ahead and check out his great work today at 8.9 seconds right there for you. 8.9seconds.com. Part of the fan-sided experience covering the Indiana Pacers. Want to ask you your thoughts on Aaron Neesmith. Aaron Neesmith came into the league. I was kind of high on him because I thought he was going to be the best shooter in that year's draft. 
Uh, it has not always worked out well. He was traded from Boston to Indiana, but he's developed a game where I know it's not your, the team is, is one of the poorest defensive teams in the NBA, but one of the few shining lights on defense has been the work done by Aaron Neesmith. Yeah, Neesmith has been an amazing surprise for us. I was adamant when we got him in the Brogdon trade that the trade was not an overall robbery for, for Boston, you know, because we didn't need Brogdon. We didn't need Brogdon point-blank period. His fit next to Halliburton was funky. He was taking touches away from him. He was taking ball-handling duties away from him because he's not a point guard, you know. He's not a point guard. I agree. When we got, when we got Nismith. I thought a lot of people were like, oh, he's a th- oh, he's a throwaway. He's just a throw-in to match salary. He's uh the pick is the most important part, which is, I mean, the 30th overall pick being the most important part of a trade. I didn't buy that at all. And Nismith showed in Summer League in 2022 that he had what it takes to be a good rotation player. Played fantastic last year. This year he's been even better. He's been fantastic on defense. I think he's the guy to put on LeBron. If you got a guy to put on LeBron, I think it's ha- I think it has to be Nismith. Because while Nismith isn't – he's not the biggest guy. He's only 6'5", and he plays power forward a lot. But he's extremely energetic, very athletic, you know, runs a breakneck style on defense and offense. Sometimes sometimes the guy runs so much that I'm, I'm fearing for his safety. You know, he's had plenty of dives for loose balls. You know, he's had a lot of highlight dunks. You know, the guy plays at 100 miles per hour all the time. And I think – for, to put on LeBron, you know, I'm not sure we're going to be able to really shut him down, but to but I think the best one-on-one assignment on LeBron is going to have to be Nismith or maybe Obi Toppin. That's the thing, though. Johnny is laughing, uh, you know, as far as Nismith, but I think, Johnny, that they will put Nismith on him because he has played against some of the better uh, offensive players for the opposite team, like, for instance, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, as far as uh, Jalen Brown, uh, as far as Tyrese Maxey, et cetera, et cetera. He has been assigned to him. So I have a feeling he'll get some touches against uh, LeBron. But the problem is LeBron at 6'9", 260, will just dominate him if he just goes to the basket. The, but you're he's going to have to hope that LeBron falls in love with the three and has an off day, which is very common over the mm-hmm. past few seasons, although he is shooting much better this season. And we saw in the last game last night that he was really hot from three. So if you get that, if he shoots well and he shoots like that, there's no chance for Indiana Pacers. But if he does have an off day where he's one for nine, one for eight, and he keeps on chucking up threes like he's been known to do, there's definitely a chance and opportunity. That means six or seven times where he didn't go to the basket and try and get a foul or an easy layup like he should be. Obi Toppin, he can get by on his quickness. So it's definitely Obi Toppin for me would be a, a, a pretty good matchup as well. But the thing is, he's quicker than Obi, uh, even at this age and even at this stage of the career. Obi Toppin, I, you know, it was always his hips. Everybody talked about his hips, his hips, his hips. He doesn't move his hips, so he can't defend very well. That's all I heard him uh, about him coming out of college. And it has proven to be somewhat the case. That's why he, he got he's not no longer in New York. He's in Indiana, but I think he's still a threat out there, especially because he's still able to th- to space the floor as well. 
Yeah, I think because Obi Obi has been a really positive on defense, a big surprise this year. Because if he, because in the second Miami game that we the one that we won with Tyrese not playing, he played he played defense on Jimmy for the majority of the game, and he almost shut him down. Yeah. Jimmy was four for eleven from the field with Obi guarding him, and even against Milwaukee, he was on Giannis for a lot of the time, and he did fantastic. He did great on Giannis, as good as you could do. So, yeah, like I said, Johnny, uh, they have to hope that LeBron goes three happy and misses a lot of threes, which, yeah. again, has happened this year. Happened more often last season, but it has already happened a couple times this year and frustrates us as fans when he starts missing a whole bunch of threes and just decides, you know what, eventually I'll start making some and doesn't. So if that's the case, then again, that's two, three, four, five times he's not going to the basket and uh, that's helping your team out. But I have a feeling, again, Neesmith's on him, energetic or not, He LeBron can use that to his advantage. He's very, you know, when he gets matchups like that, he sees that if people overplay him or they double him, he's usually able to go ahead and find ways eventually to be able to go ahead and work that out. So we'll see what happens, Moise. But, yeah, definitely some chess matches going to be going on with Darvin Ham and Rick Carlo. That's where most of our fan base is talking about where the advantage is, is in the coaching with the very experienced Rick Carlisle going against the relatively inexperienced Darvin Ham tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, Carlisle, he's uh, you take what you can get with the guy. He's been more positive than negative this year. I do dislike how he's, uh, how he's uh, handled Jarris Walker and the young guys so far because if you remember the last time I was on here, I said Jarris should start over Obi. I don't know if you remember that, but yeah. that was before. The, yeah, that was before the season. I said Jared should start over Obi, and going now, and you know, t- twenty games into the season, Jared hasn't gotten one minute outside of garbage time. I think is which I think is uh, which I think is inexcusable. Really, I think it's inexcusable. I think for a guy like Giannis, for a guy like Jimmy Butler, for a guy like even Paulo Bancaro in the Magic game, he's the best defender that you can put on them because. He's quick, he's large, and he's got at and he's got and he's got athleticism. He's one of the best. He's a nightmare defensive matchup basically. And if Carlisle did play him, I would want to see him on LeBron a lot, but I don't think that's happening because uh, because he just doesn't want to play Walker for some reason. But I do like what Carlisle has done for us on the offensive side of things because I do think he's changed as a coach from his days in Dallas. And from his days even before in Indiana, before he came to Dallas, he has changed this run and gun style of offense where he's basically letting because he was pretty controlling. I remember earlier on in past years, he's pretty controlling, but now he's kind of letting them go. You know, he's letting Halliburton have his way with the offense. He's letting guys spot up. He's letting, you know, all these all these plays happen. And I do like it. But at some times when the offense isn't isn't going strong and the shots aren't hitting, there do there does need to come a time where he needs to draw some set plays up and maybe get some guys off the bench that he uh, that he doesn't usually turn to. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football. 
for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it is Muiz Hasfar. Please go ahead and check out the great work that he's doing each and every day for the Indiana Pacers at 8points9seconds.com, part of the fan-sided experience. Adam says, I want to see Vando start tomorrow. AD and Vando are a great defensive duo. Uh, Yes, Adam, I don't think they're going to do that simply because, you know, do you really want to rock the boat after a 40-point win? You know, you go to Torian Prince. No matter how much we don't want Torian Prince in the starting lineup, everyone, and no matter how much I'm convinced he will not make five three-pointers tomorrow against Indiana, I think after 40-point wins, hey, yeah, great 40-plus point win. We're going to we're gonna go ahead and bench you. I don't think that the ham is going to do that. As much as I want to see Vando in that starting lineup, it will happen, but it's not going to happen quite yet. But Moise, I will say that Vander, uh, Jared Vanderbilt and Cam Reddish are a big key to the game, plus Torian Prince, because all three of those individuals, in my opinion, will see time against Tyrese Halliburton, although Torian Prince will probably give you guys a whole bunch of free throws because he fouls a lot for us. Uh, right. Your thoughts, yeah. though, on what Indiana will do to combat that. Obviously, their, their game is uh, the Lakers – you score all the layups you want. We're going to try and chuck up as many threes as we can. And right. we're going to try to go ahead and see if we can also get in some layups as well. Yeah. The thing with the Pacers offense is it's very hit or miss. And for the start of the season, it's been more hit than miss. We saw in the Orlando Magic game and we saw in the first Celtics game that Halliburton didn't play in what happens when the offense isn't when the offense isn't hitting their shots. When the how big are- a key though, how big a key is transition defense tomorrow? Because that's what I'm Really, because with the Lakers, an older team, uh, you know, with some, you know, with some youth mixed in there, but uh, transition defense to me has got to be key. I saw Milwaukee beat several times by Indiana yesterday because they didn't get back on defense, and at the cost them ultimately in the long run. That's I have a feeling that Indiana at some point in time will take advantage of that. It's how much you minimize that because that can lead to an extra 10, 12, 15. 20 points uh, you know for not getting back on defense if mm-hmm. your transition defense is not good enough against the Pacers. Yeah, I mean if you look at the numbers, I think we're leading the league in fast break points, which is not a surprise because our our offense is basically is basically just go get your shot as little dribbles as possible, try not to get try not to get stuck in the half court. You know, if you get a steal, fantastic. If you get a rebound off a missed shot, it's fantastic, but just go and go get your shot as quick as possible. If you miss, it's whatever. Just don't let him get a three on the other end. If you make it, then still don't let him get a three on the other end. It's frustrated me a lot about how bad our interior defense has been because I've seen plenty of plays where we just part on on uh, under the rim for Giannis part, to the, get the ro- parting of the Red Seas. Uh, yes, yes, I, yes. I've, I've I've used that multiple times. Um, yeah, we've done that multiple times for guys like Bancaro, for guys like Tatum in the first Celtics game, for guys like Giannis where he had plenty of dunks inside. You know, our interior defense is a problem. And the thing is, I don't think Miles Turner is necessarily doing a bad job because of how perimeter-centric our defense is. As you mentioned, Turner usually gets thrown out to the perimeter to guard a shooter, or he gets stuck in the pick-and-roll, which he's not a good pick-and-roll defender, as much as it hurts me to admit. Um, so, yeah, uh, so, so, yeah, Miles Turner is only doing as much as he can. 
he's 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 doing as much as he can, but this this defensive scheme that the that the Pacers have sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And you know, this season it hasn't worked a lot, but I'll say this in the tournament it has worked uh more than it hasn't because we did do a great we did do a good job of minimizing three-pointers, you know, as you saw Dame in the first half against the the Pacers was 2 of 10, get 4 points. While he did he did uh heat up in the third quarter, didn't have a great fourth quarter, and that was what allowed us to take control with our offense. Uh, again, your system is designed as far as in Indiana to minimize the number of three-pointers from the other team and allow a lot of open looks. You just you can't guard everything with the way it's structured. Mm-hmm. So if you're you're really clamping down on the three-point lane, that's going to leave a lot of open spots in the key. And obviously, like you said, even though Miles Turner is a is a nice is one of the best shot blockers that's out there, even he can't get to all of the the spaces that you need when it concerns in the key, and that leaves a lot of open spaces for for layups, floaters, easy thing. And again, it's all designed, it's all by design by Rick Harlow because on the other end, he wants to go ahead and quickly get the ball up court. And obviously leave for open threes, which is their goal. The, the the Lakers, if they can get anywhere near the type of efficiency, and also as well the number of shots that Indiana has from behind the arc. First of all, that would be incredible for the team that's ranked 26, 26 in three point shooting. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, I mean, we're not reliant on the three. That's obviously very clear. But if you can get that as a bonus, like we did yesterday's game. Uh, that's going to be tough to stop for the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. I mean, as you said, with the Lakers being 29th and three pointers attempted, they're not a very uh, shot happy team from three. No. Not at all. And I mean, they're shooting what, 34%, I believe? Yeah. The but, corner threes has been an adventure for us all season. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Torian Prince hasn't been. He was good last night, but as far as other games, I saw well, his he was three for his last 20 coming into last night. Yeah. If that gives you an idea. That's rough. Yeah. yeah. But I'm looking at this team and I see three guys that shoot 40% from three. I see LeBron. I see AD, uh, not AD. I see LeBron, D'Lo and Rui Hachimura. So while you, while the Lakers don't shoot a lot from three, they can shoot from three if needed. Yeah. We saw that against, we saw that against the Pelicans where they ran the team off the court because LeBron was shooting so well. Well, again, well, no, it just comes down to, like you said, uh, when it comes down to it, uh, minimizing the effectiveness for the Lakers from outside while trying to maximize your own from the outside from three. I think that's going to be a key. Yes, exactly. And that's what concerns me about tomorrow, because our our defense is intended to stop three point shooting teams. But the Lakers are not necessarily a three point shooting team, if you know what I mean. They can shoot, but they don't shoot that much. So. I'm wondering if if Carlisle is going to change up a bit of the defensive scheme. If he's going to have guys, you know, more in the more in the paint. If he's going to, you know, because we got to because we need to switch a lot more. That's that's one of the main issues with our defense. We don't switch a lot, and that's left a lot of guys on an island because because like you said, um, like you said, our system is designed to stop the three. But I've seen plenty of times where we don't switch on a screen and we leave a guy wide open in the corner. I've seen it happen multiple times during the Boston game, during games before that in the Atlanta game that I was there for in person. You know, I've seen it plenty of times happen. And I think if we just switch more and if Carlisle gets the memo out to his team that, hey, these guys are these guys are two-point scorers, you know? 
So, of course, guard the three, Turner is going to have to step up. Once again, it is Moise Hefsar. Go ahead and check out the great work that he's doing each and every day at 8points9seconds.com. One thing I want to go ahead and talk about before we head on out is the fact that the Lakers are an extremely poor team when it comes to giving up the offensive rebounds. That's been an Achilles heel for ours for, for a long time. And even in that first half, in that first quarter, per se, against New Orleans, we had a really rough time getting and securing the rebounds, uh, you know, outside of an offensive rebound or whatnot. Getting offensive rebounds and also defending against offensive rebounds has been an issue for us. But your team, because of its high-octane offense, that's where you see the limits. The limits, like you talked about, as far as the high-octane offense, some of the things, getting that energy on defense is going to be a problem for them because they're burning so much energy trying to go ahead and get into transition. But also, as well, with Indiana, they're not a great rebounding team. And if Indiana can find a way to go ahead and, and score some rebounds, that always makes it difficult for the Lakers. Exactly. I was just about to say that, I was going to say the Lakers aren't a great offensive rebounding team, but neither are the Pacers. You know, of the four factors, of the offensive four factors that we've had, you know, um, let me take a look at these stats right here. Um, our effective field goal percentage is the best in the league. Um, however, we don't shoot a lot of free throws, um, and we miss the ones that we and we miss a lot of the ones that we do shoot. So getting us to the line is going to be a big key because for some reason we just haven't been hitting our free throws as much as we should. We don't turn the ball over that much. Um, but here's the problem. Our opponent offensive rebounding percentage is 27th in the league at 32.2%. Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to come down to, again, like I said, Miles Turner. He's going to have to be that, he's going to have to be that eight rebounds, 10 rebounds a game guy that he was last year and that he's shown flashes of being this year. He's had plenty of games where he's had eight to 10 rebounds a game, but then he's had games where he gets four rebounds. So Miles is going to have to step up. Of course, Obi Toppin, not a great rebounder. Um, that's been one of the uh, the dark spots of him uh, this season. And, you know, throughout his career, he hasn't been a good rebounder, really. Um, he thrives more on getting out on offense and, instead of crashing the boards. But I think in order for us to win, we have to win the rebounding battle. A lot of these games that we've lost, we got blown out in the rebounding battle. Most specifically, the first game against the Sixers where Maxi had 50 points. In that game, in that game, we got smoked in the rebounding battle. I think we had eight offensive rebounds and the sell and the Sixers had close to 20. Um, so yeah, um, it's going to be a, it's definitely going to be a battle of if we can grab rebounds or not. Some nights we could, we can grab rebounds. Like I believe last night we did out rebound them or we were close and some nights it's been, it's been off to say the least tomorrow is definitely going to be a test. I think this is our biggest test of the season by far. You know, we beat Boston, we beat, we beat Milwaukee. We already beat Milwaukee before that. So, But this is definitely going to be the biggest test. And and now that I'm thinking of it, this is probably the biggest stage of Tyrese Halliburton's career up to this point, if you think about it. Now, with Tyrese Halliburton, yeah, like, like he even stated, and now what the stats say, that, that he's been only on national television once before the season. Travesty. Uh, which is a, yeah, it is a big-time travesty. But now audiences are starting to appreciate who he is. The thing is, though, working on defense, defense has been a problem for Tyrese Halliburton. And if the Lakers can exploit that, get him into foul trouble or get a lot of opportunities against him, uh, that could be something where the Lakers, if they try to hunt him out on defense, that could be trouble for Indiana as well. See, 
See, that's where see that's where the loss of Andrew Nemhard comes in. That's why I'm that's why it's really unfortunate that Nemhard had that injury in the uh, cl- in the final stages of that of the game last night because if you because if you were watching Nemhard played fantastic defense on Lillard in the first half, held him to 2 of 10 shooting and out of the guys out of the out of the perimeter centric guys that we have uh, faced this season and last season too, Nemhard has been the main guy on them to put on the smaller guards. I mean, McConnell has had his defensive moments. He's forced turnovers. He's forced offensive fouls. He's gotten inbound steals. But he suffers from uh, ball hawk tendencies, I feel like. He's very mm-hmm. ball-orientated, and he overcommits a lot on steals, and it leads to him getting blown by a lot. And I think McConnell isn't the best matchup to put on on the Lakers, which is uh, which makes it even more unfortunate that Nemhard is out, thankfully. He's still walking. He's still good. He was practicing. He was practicing earlier today, so it's not too bad of an injury, but um, it's still gonna be a huge. It's, it's still gonna be a huge blow to the team to lose Nemhard, not just for this game, but for the rest of the season until he so comes Nemhard, back. So Nemhard is out. Is he officially out? I, I believe so because I, I believe so. I'd be very surprised if he plays. I'd be very surprised. Okay. Because I was going to say, if it comes down to a final shot, LeBron is not leaving him open a second time around. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say it's a real bummer that he's out because he was the one that put the nail in the coffin that that one game. I remember, yeah. and that yeah. was his. That was LeBron's fault. That's no yeah. question about it. He left yeah. him open, didn't respect him, and he and they paid the price. Yeah, and obviously, that price. was a great win. Yep, yeah. that was a great win for you guys indeed. Exactly. But yeah, Adam uh, says, damn, Halliburton's a beast. He is. And uh, yeah. a lot of eyes are going to be open. This is going to be, like you said, the first real glimpse for a lot of people at Tyrese Halliburton. And we'll see what happens tomorrow night in the bright lights of you know Las what? Vegas. You know, you know what I'm looking to see? You know what What's I'm looking that? to see? What's if that? he converts some Las Vegas fans tomorrow. Because if you noticed in yesterday, the Vegas fans were relatively quiet in the Pacers-Bucks game. But for the Lakers game, they were loud, man. They were well, loud. Las Vegas is a Lakers town, yes. primarily because there's a lot of Cal- Los Angeles, Southern California transplants like myself. But exactly. also the fact uh, that there's also, you know, it's three and a half hours driving time away or 45 minutes flight time. So people were, in fact, you know, yesterday the the game was sold out for the Lakers game. The game was not yeah. sold out for the Milwaukee right. Indiana game. That'll tell yeah. you right there. Uh, you know, that this team supports the Lakers. I mean, they even supported the Lakers summer league team when they went on a run in 2017 with all those great now, now stars uh, for various teams. But yeah, it just, it's right now, again, a Lakers centric team, but Tyrese Halliburton, like you said, with another outstanding, if he can do another 25 point, uh, 27 point, 15 assists, zero turnover game, that's going to be tough to stop for the Lakers, but that's also going to get a lot of fans like you're just asking for right now. Did you know that the last time Halliburton committed a turnover was November 30th? That's amazing. Absolutely. To do that, to play at the level he's playing without causing turnovers is just simply amazing. I have, again, I appreciate everything that he's doing out there. I do think he is playing at an MVP caliber level. Again, he will not be an MVP this season because there are others. Yeah, but he is playing, you know, at a top 10 player level right now despite his defensive issues and shortcomings, he definitely uh, is playing at that level. He's playing his heart out for Indiana, and you can absolutely tell. Uh, yeah. I will say this, one last thing. Um, I know we probably got to go soon, but 
I really appreciate what he's been doing to put Indiana in the spotlight recently. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, because I mean, like Stephen A. Smith said, he's playing for the Pacers. We weren't supposed to talk about them. They were supposed to be irrelevant, but he's making us talk about them. I'm sure you saw yesterday his dad was on the inside desk with him. Yeah. You know, we've never had a player of this magnitude. We had Paul George, sure, but I feel like Halliburton, if he gets the help, if he gets the help and – and if he keeps this play up, he could be bigger than Paul George. And, you know, uh, Reggie Miller, oh, he still has to get to Reggie Miller status. So yeah, I, I don't, I think, I think Miller's untouchable. I think Miller's untouchable, okay. but All right. I think he can be the second greatest in Pacers history. And, you know, with the rumors of George, possibly, you know, he's had him on the podcast a lot. Maybe a reunion's coming next year. Maybe okay. a reunion's coming next year. We never know. You yeah, never so know. we'll see where. Yeah, we'll see where this team goes. And, you know, with the recent reports, I'm sure you've seen of Halliburton wanting to recruit other stars to come to Indiana with him. You know, a bit of a, a, bit of a reverse on the Victor Oladipo situation in 2020 where he was asking mm -hmm. to play with other teams. You know, with this, new, with this new culture that we have, and, yes, I call it a culture. It is a culture now. You know, Indiana is a basketball state. Um, with this new culture that we have and Halliburton recruiting guys like Siakam, OG, Anunoby and my personal favorite target, Mikel Bridges. You know, we it, the sky's the limit for this team. I really think. Once again, it is Moise Asfar. Please go ahead and check out his great work at 8points9seconds.com. Absolutely agree with you on Reggie Miller. <laughs> when you name a website after him, it's obviously yeah. it's going to take a lot. That I write for, for yeah. yeah, exactly. So before we head on out, please go ahead and plug what you're up to at eight points nine seconds.com. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, since our last since our last meeting, I have been a bit more active. You guys can follow me on Twitter, of course. I'm not calling it X. You guys can follow me on Twitter at k a m i t r o n p t w. I actually DM'd you on there to get Comitron. on here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You could also follow. You could also subscribe to me on YouTube under the same name, Camitron PTW under the same name. You could uh, um, check out my Twitch under the house that Cami built. I might change it soon, but right now it's the house that Cami built. But uh, that's all I've gotten right now. You know, um, I'm very happy to be here. Happy to see you. Happy to see you again. And uh, hopefully, when they play again in March, uh, we can meet up again. Absolutely. It would be great to have you back on. You're always welcome to come back on. It is Muiz Asfar. Please go ahead and check out the great work today at 8points9seconds.com. Yes, definitely in March when they come uh, back together, we'll definitely get together and, and compare some notes on where the teams stand at that point in time. But looking forward to a great game tomorrow night, the NBA Cup. If, again, if you just for everybody out there, give everybody a heads up. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel or like and follow us on Facebook. You'll get the latest notifications when we go live on the air tomorrow, pregame, just before the game. Going to be live here doing a pregame. Then also during the game, playback.tv slash Lakers fast break. Playback.tv slash Lakers fast break. You can watch it with us all game long. And then you come back for the post game, the best post game and the best chat room that's out there is right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Big shout-out to Adam Doobie. Big shout-out to Johnny. Big shout-out to everybody, Free Smoke, everybody that was a part of today's chat. Cannot thank you enough for stopping by, and we'll see you tomorrow for the NBA Cup Final. Sir, Vegas, baby. Yep, right, my, my town right now. Will the Lakers hit a jackpot in Vegas, or will it be the Pacers? We'll find out tomorrow right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.